G'day everyone, welcome to the F1 Armature Experts podcast, I'm Dirko, your host, and as usual, I'm joined by my partner in crime, Big T. Let's get on with the show. So, Tony, just to explain to a few people, you're more commonly known as Big T. Um, you and I have one thing in common. We've been friends for a couple of years now. We've never actually met in person, but we met through the group when you joined the F1 Armchair Experts group on Facebook and through many a lengthy phone call through uh, the WhatsApp. Um, we've discussed a lot of stuff about F1, especially our love of McLaren. I'm a McLaren fan. I know you're a mm-hmm. McLaren fan. Mm-hmm. Just give us a bit of background about yourself. 30, 30 second wrap up. Well, I'm Big T. I live in Ireland. Uh, I joined the group about f- five years ago, something like that. The F1 Armchair Experts. And if you're new to the this podcast, go onto Facebook and search F1 Armchair Experts, and you'll find us. We're a big group. I think we're over sixteen thousand now, something like that. Is it, Durko? Um Nearly eighteen. Yep. Yeah, nearly eighteen thousand. So yeah, big McLaren fan. I'm not a fan of a particular driver. I'm not. Uh, I, I find myself very techy, but yeah, big McLaren fan, and um, I love the sport. I, whether it's a good race or a bad race, a wet race or a dry race, I love it. Um, I'm there for every session. So yeah, that's me wrapped up in a nutshell. Nothing, nothing too fancy. So big T, your thoughts on last season? Uh, it was a massive season, huge for, for the calendar. Just about every date was marked out. It was, it was as full as a state school for the for the teams and uh, all their participants <laughs> to have to turn up. Um, what was your thoughts on the 2021 season, especially with the, the new circuits we went to, uh, Ibn Qatar and Saudi Arabia? Uh, in all honesty, I thought it was... It's the it's the season that we'd all been waiting for. Um, we had we had such a dominance from Mercedes, as everybody knows. If you're new to the sport, you, you know... You, you get a fair idea that Mercedes have been kind of dominating the last decade. So it kind of reminded me last year of uh, 2009 where um, we had a real mix-up. We had some a lot of surprises, um, some surprise podiums, some kind of, you know, we had closer racing as well. The gap the gap between the, the, the top, well, maybe not the top, but I would say the, the lower top and the midfield, um, Formula 1.5 as we call it. But uh, it was really close. It was really close. So... It's a, it's, it's always, it's always been the last year of uh, the, the, the regulation before the regulation changes. It's always that last year that everything's spiced up and everything becomes good, and then literally we, we, we change the regulation. So, um, no, I loved it. I loved it last year. What about you? What did you think of twenty twenty one? Where would you rate it in one to ten? Like if you were putting a, a score on it, where would you, you know? Is it is it a nineteen is it a nineteen ninety six season is it a, is it a two thousand and one season or is it you know completely on its own? I I think it's completely on its own, and um, I think if you could put a score of eleven out of ten, I'd I'd put a score of eleven out of ten. Really, really, really I, I just I, I just I think you can't you couldn't have written the script for that season that we saw. Nah, um, true. You know, Ricardo turned up at McLaren. He was the Prince of Promise. You know, they snatched him from Renault. He should have probably stayed as Alpine, but he didn't. But McLaren signed him. Zach got his signature on a bit of paper. 
uh, between flights on between circuits somewhere and said, you're signing for me. But then, you know, Gasly, he really turned up heat in that AlphaTauri and he held his own weight in that AlphaTauri. I mean, he was he's there with the rookie driver, Yuki Sonoda. He didn't, and the good thing to Gasly is he never once criticised his teammate as a driver, but he just outdrove him the whole season. The problem was with Ricardo, he turned up to McLaren, as I said, as the Prince of Promise, and he couldn't deliver. He could not get that glass slipper to fit the shoe. Norris Norris got the better of him, definitely. definitely. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Nor- Norris just undercut him all the time. Um, hmm. <laughs> admittedly, Norris has been in that McLaren threshold driver development the whole time, a bit longer than what Ricardo has. I mean, he was parachuted in towards the end. It wasn't like it was a long-term handover. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Sainz was a surprise, the surprise package for me turning up to Ferrari. And he, he really put his hand on, on Chucky's shoulder and said, mate, you're not going anywhere. I'm going to keep up with you. And I think he gave Charles Leclerc a bit of a threat, a bit of a... Um, bit of a scare to say, shit, I've got some bloke mm-hmm. I've actually got out drive here. It's not going to be another season with somebody else, with Vettel saying, you know, I don't fit the mould, the gel of this team anymore, so I'm just going to take my foot off the throttle. Um, I mean, Haas, listening to, it was interesting, you directed me to listen to the um, Beyond the Grid podcast with Mazepin the other day. And yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was interesting to listen to him. Now, I still think he's probably got an air of arrogance about him. But he has, but what what driver hasn't? What what Formula One driver hasn't got a kind of a? I suppose except for, okay, the really really nice publicly, uh, you know, nice guys. You know, I'm thinking mm. about Lewis Hamilton here. But what what Formula One driver isn't a little bit arrogant? What I found interesting about that podcast is why I directed you to it was. It changed my mind because the moment Mazepin came into the sport, he, you know, it's the the silver spoon child, you know, he's got money behind him, rich daddy, everything done for him and every every door, every opportunity. But if you actually listen to his, if you actually go deeper into into, into Mazepin and yeah. him as a driver and him as a person and all the spins that he was having at the start of 2021 because let's let's face it right we're talking about 2021 being one of the most entertaining seasons in a long time and one, one part of that entertainment was the whole Mazza spin um angle yeah. at the start of the season no matter what race it was he was he was he was spinning out but when you realized the actual truth behind why that was happening and that he had the old chassis and that yeah. he didn't have any development parts and he was struggling, and he was really fighting to do his best. And then I'm thinking even further back to the crash that Grosjean had in in Bahrain um, the year before, and I'm thinking, I have this thing about Haas at the moment. Like I remember um, a few years back when when Haas came into the sport, everybody was like, "Oh, it's the best way to come into the sport. You can, you know, you can just buy a Ferrari front wing, a Ferrari chassis. You can buy parts here, parts there." put it all together, it's the best way and this is going to be the way forward and this is how other teams are going to em- enter the sport. And then now we see the consequences of that and obviously lack of funding and, and advertising and, and, and sponsorship and all that kind of thing. But yep. it's not safe. It's not a safe way to be in the sport. And I actually feel sympathetic towards Maz- Mazepin a, a little bit. I'm, I mean, okay, yeah, he has that arrogance about him. I, I wouldn't say any driver doesn't have some little bit of arrogance, like I said, but 
I actually genuinely, after hearing that podcast, and, and for anyone listening, if you if you if you're not sure what we're talking about, look up the um, uh, what, what's it called, the Beyond the Grid, Beyond the Grid, Beyond the yeah, Grid, Tom Clarkson, Beyond the Grid. Uh, yeah, Tom Clarkson. He he he's he does a bit of commentary. He did a bit of commentary over the years. He's he does the uh, F1 interviews as well, the official F1 interviews after each race. But he's he's it's a brilliant podcast, and they have like all these these F1 uh, uh, personalities on. But that Mazepin one just really kind of like changed my mind. I usually listen to the podcast driving mm. to work to because I have an hour commute every day, uh, each way, and I and I've it really really changed my mind. I wouldn't say I would love him, and I wouldn't say I would suddenly become a a, a, a Haas fan. But it'll be interesting to see now, twenty twenty two, how they get on with that car, how Mazepin gets on with a an updated chassis. Updated parts, new aero, new engine, new power unit, and and him versus Mick Schumacher, like literally put the yep. two guys. I mean, isn't it going to be um sad to see Mazepin out racing Mick Schumacher? Look, it, w- it will be, and, and I've got to admit, I was one of the first bikes to be critical of for Mazepin even before he started. I thought this bike's just a complete handful to deal with. Uh, why? Turn, why? Turn. Why? Why? But, but like, is it? Was it? Was it because of the the money, the money backing thing, the whole was, silver spoon it, element? It was the yeah, it was that silver spoon in the mouth. It was the money backing. Dad, Dad's back rolled the whole team for a shitload of cash. Um, where's his credibility as a racer? But then you listen to that particular podcast and you work out that he went to Italy at a young age, like as an early in his early teenage years, to to go racing go karts and stuff. Mm-hmm. And basically, Dad mm-hmm. said. Righto, this is what you want to do. See you later. Mm-hmm. And send him on his way. So he has done the hard yards as a driver. And I mean, I, I changed my my views on him. Um, but I think he, he, he was he was given the old Kevin Magnuson tub to, to race with him. I and mean, he may as well have been given you know, the, the old arrows that um, Jos Verstappen had driven at a, or, or, you know, the old Tyrrell that, you know, Katayama had driven it, it might as well be the same car because it, that Haas car he was given was just, just an absolute hunk of shit. It was only, yeah. only as that's good my, as a boat anchor. And that's my point. Like, you know, it's it's not fair to judge the guy um, when, when he isn't in equal equipment and he isn't in an equal team. The team are not showing him really any support uh, because they just don't have the finances to do it. Um, uh, the, but but it, we yeah. have to make the point though as well about drivers coming into F one and 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 you know I suppose we were all prejudgmental about Mazepin coming in because of that whole money thing right and I don't want to spend the whole podcast talking about Mazepin but just while we're on that topic is you have to we all have to remember that these guys have earned their way to F one you mm-hmm. can't enter F one unless you have enough built uh, points built up for a super license so it's not like these guys are just arriving and they've paid their way in. I mean, obviously, at the very end, once they have their super license and they have their points earned, yeah, money does help you get to get into a, a, a particular team, but it's not going to get you into a top team. It's only going to get you on the back of the grid. But still, the point is that they've they've earned their way up through all the categories, and that doesn't get seen a lot of the time. It doesn't even get mentioned that they've done F4, F3000, F2. You know, it's it's like, oh, here, there's this guy with loads of money and like he shouldn't be there. So my, my closing comments on the 2021 season are, I think Mazepin was, was given a, a, a dud deal with the tub because he was given K-Mag's old car. 
because the car that Mick Schumacher was meant to get was the one Grosjean um, put through the wall in his incident. Yeah. So then Haas had to be, build a completely new tub. That they I actually for- think that the, I actually think the one that he actually crashed, the one that was actually on the back of the truck, would have been fucking faster than the one Mazepin was in this year. Well, yeah, totally agree. But Mick Schumacher got a completely new tub, which was reportedly a shitload lighter. Anyway, mm-hmm. moving on from that, mm-hmm. the two new circuits for me were Qatar and Saudi Arabia. Qatar, I knew from watching the MotoGP there, I thought it was a great circuit, except you you were flat out you know, breaking, working out your breaking points. I know you, you missed that race due to uh, family commitment, but still, I think it's a flat out circuit and it, it's I can't wait to see Qatar come back. I know they've signed a multi-year deal um, it, and it's just going to be a great flat out circuit. Then moving on to, to mm-hmm. Jeddah, the Saudi Arabia circuit, I was very critical of it. I thought just a hairpin, it's just quick right, left, quick right, left. Do the long bank corners, just come back, do another quick right, left, right, mm-hmm. left, right, left. But when you watched Max Verstappen in that qualifying lap and the way he was weaving that thing like a thread through the eye of a needle, you just thought to yourself, no, this, this man's possessed. It's like it goes back to the days of when Senna did that qualifying lap against Prost and beat him by one and a half seconds. He was mm-hmm. just on rails until he binned it. Mm-hmm. So, what year was wa- that? Eighty-eight. Uh, <laughs> From memory, <laughs> I gotta have to go googling that and find fact fact check you. Well, that was people MP- will fact check this podcast. They will fact check this podcast. I know it was the MP four four, but the MP four six was a more beautiful car. Anyway, that yes. aside, yes. Um, the, the Jetta circuit. I've got to give it credit. The maybe neat. There will we need some changes made to it? Only because it was too many. What changes? What changes would you make? Just the flow of the circuit, slow it down a bit. Um, you want to slow it down. Slow you want it to take down an F one track and s- in so, in some corners, just to stop so, just to stop so many red flags. I mean, come on. Yeah, but you, if you if you if you slow it down, it becomes like the old Abu Dhabi track where you have long straights, and then it's all just going to be a parade of cars through through a complete sector. I, I the Jeddah track for me, I, I like I said, we, we actually recorded this podcast. <laughs> we actually recorded this podcast a week ago, and uh, we had some we had some audio issues, so we're actually here recording it again. But we mentioned the last time that. Um, I, I I was on I'm on the fence when it comes to Jeddah. It, it it was entertaining. It's a fast track. There is elements of it that are there's like nothing else on the on the calendar that he could even come close to it. But there was just too much safety car. There was just too yeah. much, you know. But like, is the solution to like slow it down? Is that is that this like? Well, let's review the last race as a as a trial run. Work out what what caused so many red flags, and fix it. Max, there's your answer. <laughs> Take Max out of the out of the whole mix, and we have a race. No, okay, right. So, no, so, I'm, 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 jo- I'm joking. I'm joking because I'm going to get absolutely fucking slaughtered now in the comments. But um, no, I just want to put it out there. I, I don't, I'm not a Max hater. I'm not a Lewis. I don't think either of us are. We we love the sport. We love the racing. And but um, all jokes aside, um, I really don't know what they're going to do with that track. I mean, they did a great. If, you, if we're talking about 2021, and we're looking looking back, I think one of the best 
um, changes they made this year was, or last year, sorry, should I say, is the the, the changes to Abu Dhabi. Oh, unreal. So, Just what they did to, to literally fix that circuit was unreal. That yeah. bank corner, yeah. everything, they just fixed it. It is now a yep. top-notch circuit. Yep, 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 yep. You'd almost be kind of dreading Abu Dhabi coming up some, some years at the end of the, end, the end of the season because you're just like, ah, well, we know what's going to happen here. It's basically going to be a parade for two hours, but it really spiced things up this year. You see, the changes that they made actually, um, and we saw it all throughout practice qualifying and even in the race, those last couple of turns, you know, 13, 14, 15, where um, uh, Latifi ultimately crashed and caused the safety yep. car. But look, we're not going to go into the, the whole that. But it caused, it created, it spiced things up. It created this, this, this challenge for the drivers that wasn't there before. And that's one thing that I think the, the where Jeddah goes way too far. It's kind of, there's too, it, it challenges them too much and it's pushing them to the edge. Uh, in too many places around the track. So I don't know necessarily would I slow Jeddah down, but I might straighten out some of the corners, which ultimately would not slow it down, would make it faster, yep. but it would just reduce the amount of, you know, 90 degree right angles where they have to hard break, try and overtake, miss, try and clip the apex and, and go wide on the exit. It's just maybe just minimize that a small bit. And that's, that's what they did with Abu Dhabi, whereas they kind of they 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 made subtle changes to um kind of like I suppose create more of a flow around the track. But then ultimately you had to get the exit right. It wasn't so much the entry, the apex, it was more about the exits on on the changes that they made. And that's what spiced things up, and that's how we got the result that we did because of those changes. If those changes hadn't have happened, we wouldn't have had the result. Yeah, talking about spicing things up. You know my thoughts on Sochi. We've discussed this to death over the phone. Brilliant track. Brilliant, 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 brilliant track. One of the best. Top top two for me anyway. Definitely. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. Um, I, I, I still reckon yeah. turn, turn four, the, the longest circuit on on the calendar, you know, it's as long as a Mos- Moscow bread line. If that was a banked corner. Apologies to it, all our Russian listeners. Yeah, Gwinardi, if you're listening, I'm sorry. I reckon turn four, if it was a bank corner, it would mm. be unreal because they could just launch into it, fang around it, launch out of it. Oof. I like it the way it is. I don't think they need to bank it. I mean, okay. I, I'm just loving these new bank corners. I mean, we went to Zandvoort. It's like a novelty. Wow. We're taking F1 cars to a go-kart track. Oh, there's a mm. bank corner. Oh, look. Yeah, look. There's a, yeah. So, to me, Zandvoort's just a glorified go-kart track, but. Hmm. I don't think there's any challenges we, to uh, Have they got a deal for I don't even know, have they got a deal for Sochi for the next few years or is it being pulled or I thought it was going to going St. Petersburg I think, they were, I think they were moving it on to St. Petersburg to there was, yeah, another Herman you know designed circuit Yeah, there was Yeah, this year is it's somewhere else, isn't it? Um, as long Sochi. as they mine enough salt to clear the, clear the snow off the circuit, I think they were going to St. Petersburg Sachi for me, I, I, it doesn't bother me as a like I, I, I find that it's, it's entertaining. There's always a kind of a, a, a good result, but I think the problem is we're blaming the tracks 
I, I don't know if people would agree with me on this. So, like, you know, if you're if you're watching this podcast on YouTube or you're listening to it in the Facebook group, post your comments below and 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 would you agree with me on this? Is that we're blaming the tracks for the bore kind of I suppose what's being termed as boring racing, but is it the actual fault of the track? If we, if you were to put everybody into Sochi in equal machinery, which we're going to see next year, well, not Sochi because we're not back there, but if are we in Sochi in 2022? I don't even know. Oh, uh, I believe so. I'll just double check that. Yeah, yeah. So like, if we're so we're if we're in Sochi this year, okay, and they're all in fairly equal machinery, would we have a spicier race? Would we have better racing, better overtaking, more more strategy on tires? Um, um, I suppose, yeah, my argument is moot, though, because Abu Dhabi was kind of the same vein of opinion, and they changed the track, and, and it changed the racing. But at the same time, the cars the cars are a lot closer together now in this last race, or, the, or on that last race. So... Yes, we are back to Sochi. I don't know. Mm, the good thing are. is the good thing is we're going back to Canada. I love that circuit. Uh, Montreal. Oh, yeah. what a yeah. circuit. I've I've driven it and it is just yeah. unreal. Love that circuit. Yeah. You drove uh, what did you drive it in? A Ford F fifty uh motorhome. <laughs> <laughs> it was ironic. I had Holly Holly I, in the passenger seat, the three three kids in the back. It was a half marathon being run, and I'm just driving around this circuit going, nailing all the witches' hats. There's these poor joggers are getting out of the way. Some mad Aussie and left-hand drive cars trying to do his hot lap of the circuit de Gilles Villeneuve. Fuck me. Fuck me. Like, when, when, when someone says to you, I drove that track, you paint a picture in your head that you were in some kind of like I don't know a BMW M3 Sport or a or a or a or, or a or a Formula Two or a Formula Ford or something a track day or you know something cool you know there were these hot laps in a McLaren no a fucking motorhome with your wife and someone doing a marathon behind you yeah there you go ladies and gentlemen Durko everybody <laughs> it was like National Lampoon's does the Canadian Grand Prix. Meet the Fockers. Meet the Fockers. It was like Meet the Fockers, yeah. Meet the motor home. <laughs> 7.3 litre V10 doing a hot lap. What's oh, my f- God. And, I, what, and what, I've what? got this fucking picture in my... Hang on now a second. i got this picture in my head now of you with big bushy hair, a half-grown beard, aviator sunglasses, just fucking... Hey, turn three, Holly, Holly, here, here we go. Turn four, look oh. at this. And she's just sat there going like, oh, get me out of here. Just keep... Just clip that curb. Oh, the pots and pans are falling out of the cupboard. Yeah. <laughs> then I'll get on the straight. The fuel gauge has dropped. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right. Moving on, T. Um, the, yeah, the 2020 season is going to bring about some new cars. What's your thought on the new cars? Love them. Love them. Love them. Love them. Love them. Love them. Um, I suppose the technology that they're bringing back, I suppose, yeah, we did talk about this in the, the first recording that we did was about the whole, um, uh, the Ross Braun and Pat Simmons. They basically redesigned, they've, they, it's going to be like a Ross Braun, Pat Simmons wet dream. I know that doesn't paint a very good picture in people's heads and I apologize, but like these cars, every little detail has been thought about. Every single little detail. They have done wind tests, wind tunnel tests, 
after tunnel test after tunnel test. They've taken all the complaints from the drivers. They've taken all the complaints from the fans. They've taken all the complaints from the teams and the engineers. And they've basically tried to tick every single box. Mm. They obviously have um, restrictions as well as, as regards to the design or, not, sorry, not the design, the emissions. And obviously we're in a more kind of a, excuse me, a kind of a, a, a glow, uh, an environmental. Um, we're going uh, green. Uh, we're going green. We're in the third industrial revolution. We had our coal moment. We've had a oil moment. Now we're having our, um, our wind turbine and our solar moment. So, it's 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 cars have to be cleaner you know the, the next thing i think they're going looking at is fuel technology so the next regulation changes i think in 2026 whenever it is it's going to be a big emphasis on the amount of oil um that's actually used in the process of racing so uh, yeah. uh, oil and rubber i think is the is the two the two key things there but for the cars for next year man i am just i cannot i am like an excited puppy like <laughs> I, I can't wait to see them. I've actually seen. I don't know if you saw in the group. Actually, I was I was flicking through the the the, the armchair experts group on Facebook uh, this morning, and I saw a couple of um, kind of concepts that people are you know like kind of the Sean Bull design yeah type things, and I'm just like I cannot wait. But I know you you're not a fan of one particular element. What is it? The wheel covers. Oh my god. Why? The hubcaps. Every car needs a hubcap, man. What's they, the problem? They don't. They just look so shit. Absolutely <laughs> shit house. <laughs> have I you mean, seen the LED thing? Have you seen the LED plan that they have for it? The LED lights. Absolute gimmick. I mean, I mean, oh, I, I I, admittedly, cool. you put a post up a few hours ago saying that you know, BBS the, the got the, the deal to do the rims for the next couple of years. Yeah, Oz, Oz Racing is out. Yeah, so OZ Racing's out. So, what's the difference between BBS and OZ? I mean, they're all going to be to a certain spec anyway. I mean, I don't know why we can have a controlled rim and get rid of OZ Racing or BBS or whoever else. I mean, with brakes, I mean, you go with Brembo, or you go with Carbon Industries anyway. So why why go to a controlled rim? What's because you can't see them? Ah, there's the answer. Because you can't see the fucking things. <laughs> like seriously, get rid of the bloody wheel covers. They are the ugliest. It was the worst thing that Ross Braun ever put on that bloody car that he rolled onto the grid. Was the wheel covers? You think? Oh my! You think? God, just shit house. I don't mind them. I really don't mind them. I, 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 and I suppose, Luke, for our listeners, if you're not quite sure what we're talking about, if you go back to the two, look up the two thousand and nine. Um, season cars, Formula One cars, particularly like the Ross Braun, uh, the Braun 2009 car driven by uh, Jensen Button or Rubens Barrichello. And they basically got a wheel cover on the outside of the wheel that you have air going through the brake duct, through the wheel, through the wheel itself, and then it diverts the air down onto the floor or into the side pod or around the car, creating vortices, obviously, for aerodynamics and cleans up the air. And... um. Like I said, Ross Braun and Pat Simmons have designed this 2022 uh, new chassis, and the wheel covers are back. Um, the one difference this time, though, is they're talking about introducing kind of an LED. I know you say it's a gimmick, right? It, it is. But I saw, I saw, I saw a, I saw a post where they said that they were looking to do um, uh, a, a kind of a, a display where it shows you whether they're braking. 
or accelerating or whether they're the tire wear level on the tire so they could go from you know an actual display on the wheel of 100 percent 90 percent 70 percent 60 percent i suppose that's giving other teams an advantage though that so i don't know if that'll actually happen but a, they're put standardizing up a, put up a screen little but the side effect they do on the screen here when i see those wheel covers it's like sitting at the dinner table with my mother-in-law there i, I look at her and think What's the purpose of you being here? What what effect do you have? You you serve no purpose. Please go away. The wheel apologies to just... uh, Durko's <laughs> apologies to Durko's mother in law if you're listening to this. No, she won't be. I can tell you. They, I just think they are the ugliest thing on the car. I mean, the rear wing it is just oozes sex appeal. No, the no end yeah. plates on it. I just think that rear wing, the way it curves. It's, it's, Oh, it's just unreal, but those fucking wheel covers just piss them off. They just look shit ass. Let us know in the comments. Do you agree with Durko or do you agree with me? I, I, I don't mind the wheel covers. I think they serve a good purpose. I think there's a lot of opportunity to be explored with them. Um, I think without them, we're not going to have that kind of Venturi type, uh, not the Venturi type, but the, 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 the close racing where they're cleaning up the air, the dirty air coming out of the back of the car. But if you agree with Durko, stick it in the comments. And, and if, you, if you hate them, um, I've got a feeling this will go the same way as the, as the Halo. Whereas, uh, you know, you, at first you can't stand to see it. You can't even bear to look at it. And after a while, you just kind of, you get used to it. Yeah, I just hope they go away. I mean, the halo, I, I accepted. I knew it was a safety feature, but I just, I just can't see what the wheel covers are doing. Anyway. You accepted it eventually. Hang on now. Let's let, let's be clear here now. What? I think we all, I think there wasn't an F1 fan on the planet that would have denied that okay it's it's there for safety but none of us liked the look of it originally when when they when they were first introduced none of us were like well we yeah, were, i think yeah, we even yeah 100 percent. but i mean you, you look back now and you, you see an open open cockpit f1 car and you think oh what's going on here but there's no halo mm. shit yeah, it looks um, it looks odd. It actually looks it, odd it, to look at a, an old style. It, I, there was a, something up on YouTube actually the other day with the RB7 doing some kind of trial run somewhere with with with, with David Coulthard, the, you know, the usual uh, annual Christmas spin or whatever they do and um in the town center. <laughs> and uh and uh and I was just saying thinking to myself like that that car doesn't it just doesn't look right to me oh do you know what else we were do you know what else uh, actually through the week if, if people uh, go go into the group and look for the post from um shmi uh shmi f1 i think he bought uh he bought an f1 car that was um had michelin all over it and there was a big debate all yeah. over the internet about what what actual chassis it was you know yeah. now of course i got myself and badge um myself and ashley got it spot on with the with the correct chassis number and we knew it was a williams some people were saying that it was a, an arrows but we knew i knew from the the the, the airbox the teardrop air, airbox that it was that it was definitely a williams but if you sit and look at that car there I, I, even the photographs of it now and you see the high nose with the 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 the, the front wing hanging below the nose no halo None of this barge board malarkey all around the side of the car. And I was like, wow, that just looks clean and fast, you know, simple. And I think this is when we go, we're talking about next year's cars. I think that's the feeling I'm getting from next year's cars is that they're uncomplicated, simple, 
they look fast and I think they are going to be fast. Well, I mean, the barge boards are going for next year, so that's one good thing. Mm. But I've made mm. him on Xavier. He's, he's mad, loves a barge board, just loves to look at them, just loves to feel them. He'd lick them if he could. <laughs> he just loves his barge boards. So, Zabe, sorry, mate, no more barge boards. He loves to... F- he loves to feel up the barge boards. Yeah. Okay, that's, mm. that's 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 new. That's a new one. That's a new one. Good luck to him. Good luck to him. So, big T, I want to ask What's you a next? question. Uh, next, mm-hmm. next topic on my list is Guanyan Joe, the Chinese driver that's going to Alfa Romeo. Big what, Joe. Big Joe. What's your thoughts on him? I mean, do you think Giovinazzi should have been sidelined? I mean, th- th- there is a weight deficit there. I mean, they've lost three kilos worth of hair out of the car. In Geo not being there, but um, that's a weight saving. Do you, do you think <laughs> they're minus you... a? They're now minus a pony yes. tails. <laughs> uh, yeah, Fred versus lost lost his come over. But anyway, do you think uh, Joe comes with a bit of a good name? Do you think he's he's going to learn something from Bottas, or is it just going to be another case of a, a rookie that's just trying to find his trying to find his footing? What the fuck is he going to learn from Bottas? What could Bottas possibly teach him? How to drive slowly? Okay, so tick that item off the list. Um, <laughs> so what are you most looking? What do you th- what What do you think? What do you think? Do you think Giovinazzi should have been sidelined for for Joe? Does he deserve to be there? Has he earned his super license? Has he Has he shown that he's capable to win races? Has he Has he shown that he can develop a car or he could give good feedback and? Or, or is he just is he just a cheap option? Like, what's the? I would. I, I watched. The, I watched the video on Joe. He his parents moved from mainland China to the UK when he was a um, a young child just to develop his karting. I mean, he's gone up through the ranks and he has proven himself in the lower categories as a you know driver academy um, participant. And I think he's deserving of the position. I, I want to see what he's. I'm not going to criticise him for his first couple of races. I think usually the first three or four races are always a bit of a trial test to find your footing within the team, get the set up. A totally different car, totally different package. But I think by at least mid-season, we'll be seeing what he can really deliver um, against a more experienced teammate who's won 10 or so races in Bottas. But, I mean, Bottas has gone to a new team, new engineer, whole new package. Um, I don't think Bottas has ever driven with a Ferrari engine, so that'll be... Interesting in itself. So, you see how how's he's going to go with the engine mapping. And now, I think that's one thing that Ricardo probably struggled with. He's never driven a Merck engine, as far as I know. So he may have struggled with the engine mapping of the Merck Donk that's bolted to the back of that McLaren. Um, right. That that that's part of the equation you've got to take into consideration. But surely it's I I don't know if I've ever agreed with that. You know, I mean. Yeah, I suppose Bottas has really been predominantly Mercedes-driven, and I think uh, Ricardo was predominantly Renault because they were Renault engines when he was at Red Bull. Yep. They went, they were jumping to Honda. He jumped ship and went to uh, Renault, which obviously was a Renault power unit, and then he ended up in McLaren. But like, he, I, I feel that he had the same results in the Renault at the at the Renault works team when Cyril Abipol was was heading up he had the same kind of results there as he had with McLaren i mean i wouldn't really say that there's much between them like right he he should have stayed with red bull i think that was it could be a, we could be we could be looking at a very different world champion right now but um yeah sure, look we will never know but uh if if he'd stayed with Renault, Gar- it became alpine 
No, if he'd stayed with Red Bull. If he'd stayed with ah. Red Bull when Red Bull made the jump to Honda, then, you know, I think um, I think Ricardo was well enough in there with Marco and, and, and Horner that, you know, between himself and Max, that they'd been close. Because, like, and again, we talked about this last week. Um, Ricardo, I remember watching Ricardo. I'm not, like I said, I'm not a fan of drivers in particular. I just stay away from drivers. I just follow a team and that's it. Whoever drives them, drives them. I like Norris, but... Uh, Ricardo a few years ago when he was at Red Bull was um was was very 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 racy late on the brakes yeah. I remember watching him at at the at China the at Shanghai Shanghai racetrack it is Shanghai isn't it China yeah. I can't fucking think Saturday morning here lads and it's Saturday night in Australia there's a very different tiredness level between the two of us um so i apologize if i'm mixing my words but um so yeah i remember watching him in china and i think it was like turn five and he was doing like 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 lap after lap just this like he got he got pushed to the back of the grid i can't remember what year it was but he was just like late breaking last just kept overtaking all these cars and i kept that's when i noticed ricardo i was like wow this guy can actually drive where's this guy been it's kind of like that moment that we've all been waiting for from bottas that just didn't ever arrive like oh this is bottas wow i mean look at him ricardo for me is he's a great driver and i i feel that he's kind of lost i think he's lost his edge a little bit i mean are we going to talk about monza yeah, he won Monza last year, but why did he win Monza? Was he? It was partially gifted to him, and I don't want to get on the back of every Australian listener, but you have to admit, like it wasn't. If if Max and Hamilton had uh, Max and Lewis had finished the race, uh, Ricardo uh, wouldn't have finished in in first place. Oh yeah, I hundred percent agree. Um, so moving on, I, I I think it's going to be interesting. Albon's going to Williams. I don't know how he's going to go there. I think uh, they may still remain as the backmarkers. Um, Hopefully not. I really hope they don't. I mean, if anyone, if anyone's listening here that's been a fan since the the eighties, nineties, or even back in the seventies, um, anyone that shed a tear last year when when Frank. Uh, passed away, uh, you know, God, God rest him. But um, we all want to see Williams do well. Williams and McLaren for me. Like if I wasn't a McLaren fan, I'd be a Williams fan. But yeah. um, we've all felt we've all felt the pain of being a McLaren fan over the last decade. It must be twice as painful for for a Williams fan because, man, wow. So to Warren McIntosh, if you're watching this video, I feel for you, mate. Um. What else are you looking forward to in 2022? You're looking forward to the long calendar. I mean, we, we're going to another new circuit in Miami, another street mm. circuit, which, you know, I absolutely mm. hate street circuits. Um, Why? Well, I just find them boring. I just There's no challenge. There's no, there's no corner that stands out. I mean, there's no street circuit that has a really great corner like... You know, your 130R, your Spoon Curve, your, your Uru's, your Radion, your, you know, your Puhon, your corner with no name, at, at all the spark corners and the, the Suzuki circuits. And it's just... Cops, Maggots, Beckets. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look at Silverstone. I mean, look look at look at the Baku circuit. Probably the, mate, the circuit that I absolutely detest the most that we race at. I watched the race under duress, but... 
tell me what, what's the best corner there? What's the most challenging corner at Baku? Other than going weaving think, through the castle. Yeah, I was just going to say that that's the only kind of one that sticks out in my mind. Although we've had some really kind of, uh, you know, there's been some rest- even the first lap incidents at the first two corners and even the, on the restarts where we saw Hamilton outbreak himself and go off at, at turn one last year. And, you know, it's been, it's been, um, Again, like, I don't, I don't, I'm kind of in the same thought process as Sochi. Like, I never, every time I see this come up in the group, in, in on Facebook, on, on, on the Facebook group, I, I just don't get involved in it. I, I, I see people complaining about the tracks, and I'll be, all, I'll be honest, I, it, they really don't bother me, whether they're street circuits or they're Hill, Herman Tilk circuits. And it's been more about the, the constant, uh, the same podium over and over. Although I must stress that Baku, if you were to pick one race where there's a bit of a mixy podium over the last few years, right, where it hasn't been the, you know, the the the, the Lewis Bottas kind of Max three, it's been Baku. Like Perez has been there on the podium twice, hasn't he? Stroll was there. Stroll on got up the year there. before. Yeah. You know, I think we saw um, which. Which race did uh, George Russell make it onto the podium? It was Belgium. Um, Belgium. So, like, you know, I think Baku is actually not a bad, not a bad circuit, uh, and that long straight is just amazing. I think. I'll, I'll give credit to one thing. That being the straight, it is a ball buster. Um, it yeah. really breaks the cars going down that straight. And and who? A little bit of trivia now. So, whose balls did it bust in twenty twenty one? Look, which happens. Yeah, yeah. That iconic photograph the tire, uh, from last year. And the if, tire kicker. The tire kicker. Like, you know, if, if for our listeners listening to this podcast, go on and just Google it. Verstappen, Baku, um, crash. And just look it up on YouTube. Or it was just one of those iconic photos from last year where he got a, he coming down the straight. He got a he got a puncture, didn't he? Oh, what did, what yeah. happened? Yeah, he got a puncture, I think. Came off, you know, hit the wall. He got out of the car. And he just kicked the tire of the car like, like, fuck you, you piece of shit. Like, it was just, and it was captured. It was captured uh, in, in this photograph that just is one of those. It just sums the whole 21 season up, you know, um, of like wherever there's been bad luck. It's I've got to say, that incident itself brought up one good point was the FIA um radio chat between the team bosses and Michael Massey. Yeah. Now, I'm only talking about Michael Massey here in terms of the race director and the team bosses being able to get him on the horn and say, Michael, what's going on with the pit stops? You know, are we going to pit, you know, run a safety car? That was just a completely new insight into a whole other realm of... Did it only start in Baku, did it? It was his se- It was last season at least. Um, that we saw that insight with that FIA radio contact, and I, What's I think question? I, I think it was great. My comment is, I'm sorry, I'm sorry that the team principals aren't going to be allowed. They're going to be, they're going to be a nominated person now. That is the only person to contact the FIA, not the team principals. So the secretary's got to get on the phone, not the boss. But I think it's yeah. great insight. Like I've watched, you know, F1 since uh, I'm. I'm in late forties now. Nineteen fifties. Yeah, yeah. Watch Jim Clark racing. Um, 
I'm just going back to the, the the time when we never had any in-car radio or anything, and now it's gone beyond that to we're getting team bosses, team principals, team senior team members talking to the FIA direct, and that insight into that world is just unreal. I just love it. Uh, yeah. I mean, like... Like we've always said it. I mean, this is one of the things that we aim to do with this podcast. Actually, is to kind of bring the fans um, more into it and give and give. And, but like when you bring more elements into something, it always it always adds uh, it it adds it adds something to it, isn't it? It's like it's like a recipe. Like you can have you know you can have toast just toast and then you could put butter on it it makes it you know a bit better you put a bit of cheese grilled cheese on it a bit better again some spring onion a bit better again you know uh, some herbs and some and some sauce and wow you've gone from toast to a you know i wouldn't say a five-star meal that's a really really bad example i like my cheese on toast by the way but uh you need veggie um, with it oh vegemite let's no don't do this conversation now man because if we get talking about food it's just gonna it's we're gonna have to rename the fucking podcast. Okay. F one F one and food. We could call it F one and food. We could like talk about recipes. Do you remember the fucking co- do you remember the cocktail poster we did in face on in the Facebook group? The name you remember you were trying to name your wine you were gonna come out <clears throat> you were gonna come out with a brand of wine and you were you were looking for names. Yeah, and we were coming up with all these cocktail names like yeah. you know, and you were gonna call the red what, what was you gonna call the red? Oh Rouge, uh, was it? Oh Rouge. One th- one thirty it was a 130R Chardonnay. There was a Uru Shiraz. Um, there was a Blanco. Wasn't there something? There was Blanco. a para, 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 Parabolica Cab Sav. And oh, there's all sorts of stuff. But anyway. Yeah. But anyway, what was the question? Sorry, back, back on track. Um, <laughs> I can't remember what we were talking about. Oh, we were talking about Britain. They, they, we were talking about team bosses on the radio. Yeah. I think I I I think it'd be mis- a mistake to take it away, but I feel that even if they kept it now for this year for twenty twenty two, it's not going to be the same because what will happen is, given the amount of drama that we heard and witnessed in twenty one, team bosses are just not going to they're just not going to embarrass themselves. What I, what the only kind of conversation that I did like wasn't so much between the the team principals and and Massey. It was more. Um, um, it, what's oh, I forget his name now. The Red Bull, the Red Bull guy. Um, Christian Horner. No, 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 no. The guy that sits on the far left. I can't think of his name. Oh my God, it's gone out of my head. Adrian Newey. He's the kind of the. He, no, he's the he's the racing director. I think. Um, Helmut Marko for, for Red Bull. No, 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 no. He sits on the pit wall, and he's always the guy talking to Massey on the radio. Um, yeah. Um, I, his name's. It, <clears throat> You think of his name. His name's gone out of my head anyway. But that that I found interesting because that was kind of like he was very feisty with Massey. He was always kind of like very controversial and kind of like so. So is is are we allowed to do this or not? Because you know, like I remember the Brazil where Hamilton or uh, Max pushed Hamilton wide, and then there was this whole fucking thing on the radio about you know. So so is is this a penalty or not? Are we are we allowed to do this or not? Is this included in racing? Is it in the rules? He was constantly questioning. Whereas with Toto, what we heard on the radio was just pure emotion. It was just like, I mean, I lost all respect for Toto Wolf. I'll be honest, after some of that radio stuff in, in Abu Dhabi, I think we all did. I mean, you've seen the, the, the memes that have come out of it. Um, 
I don't think even if they kept it, I don't think it would be the same. You won't hear that that same. Um, but if they kept it technical and they kept it kind of, I I think it should be kept. But they, it just needs to be kept technical and kept interesting. You know, you're thinking of Jonathan Whiteley as the team manager. That's the guy. That's the guy. That's the guy. That's the guy. That's yep. the guy. Yeah, Jonathan Wheatley. Did you just fucking Google that? Not me. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> I saw your hands moving, like you know. Uh, I'm always moving my hands like this, you know. Um. No. 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 M- moving on to some more recent news. Otmar Zafnow has um been told to pack his bags, and he's no longer in a position of Aston Martin Racing. The hot rumour is he is going to Alpine mm-hmm. because uh, Bukowski or whatever his name That's... is, I can't can ever pronounce it. Um, the bloke Budowski. Was, Budowski, the bloke who was on garden leave for about eleven years, he all of a sudden came back and now all of a sudden he's out of a job again after about a year. But they reckon that Otmar is going to take his job, but now Aston Martin have brought in the boss of BMW Motorsport. Mike Crack or Crake or Crack. I'm not sure. Mike Crack. Mike Crack. They brought him in. Is Mike Crack? Mike Crack is back. Mike Crack is now taking on the team principal role at Aston Martin Racing. Now clearly he's, he's don't 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 make a sentence that starts with Mike Crack and then the word is taking something. It's just okay. Anyway, he's he's fulfilling the role. He's been appointed. Oh and God! No, it's, stop! Stop using the word "taking" and "filling," please. Just stop. <laughs> I can't. I can't. I can't. Taking. Okay, so Mike. So Mike. Let's just we call him Mike. Okay, Mike. So Mike K is turning up to warm the seat at. Um, Aston Martin Racing as the team principal. Mm-hmm. So it looks like Otmar's gone to Alpine, Badowski's gone, and that's the new team management replacements for the off-season. Where's Badowski, where's Badowski gone to? Where's Badowski gone to? He's out of a job. He's just back on gardening leave. But is he is was I didn't did I see a rumor on one of the posts in the Facebook group that he was going back to Formula One? As a, did he have a, he was technical delegate. I suppose for, for our listeners uh, that don't know yep. who Badowski, the, the, the story, right? He was technical delegate, I think, for the FIA, right? And he left, he left that role because he wanted to kind of, he wanted to be in one of the teams and he was supposed to be going to, what was it the time before it was Alpine, was Renault. And, um, then there was this whole drama that uh, he shouldn't be allowed to go work directly for a race team after being technical delegate. And I believe his role in FIA was that he used to, he, he'd be the guy responsible for checking um, the legitimacy of, now, listeners, you, you're more than free to correct me on this, but I, I, my memory's a bit sketchy. But I think he, he was responsible for checking the, legit, the legitimacy of any updates that any team wanted to bring to their cars. So if there was ever, um, he knew about the, he knows, he has inside knowledge of what makes the Mercedes fast, why it's faster than the rest. He he has an advantage because he knows what every team is doing. 
as regards their aero, as regards their engine, where their turbo is placed, their diffuser, their wing setup, their DRS system, their electrics, brake by wire, you know, uh, brake disc technology, all this kind of thing. He has first hand knowledge of all that. And he went, he was literally leaving that role and going straight to Renault. So I think it was Red Bull, I think, that piped up first and said, Was it Red Bull? I think it was Red Bull. Probably was Red Bull, didn't knowing. I that, think it knowing, was. Um, uh, so they piped up and said, This shouldn't be allowed. This is this is uncompetitive. This is this is not fair on the rest of the teams. He has an advantage, he's gonna bring it to Renault. And then they brought out this rule about gardening leave that if you leave uh, a role of this that you have to be you have to be out of the out of racing for like a year before you can join another team but i don't think that stopped Renault. i think he was working in the background the whole time but you know it got everybody's back up at the time but did it make a real difference it didn't make any fucking difference in the end because Renault Renault didn't suddenly start getting podiums when he started working there and now he's leaving the rumor is that he's going to go back to the FIA, seemingly, and Otmar, is it is Otmar? Say a second name for me. Otmar Zafnauer, he's supposedly going to Alpine. Yeah. And is that confirmed? Has that been confirmed? No, but that's a hot rumor. Oh, well, that's definitely true then. Because Badowski had a completely different job to Joe Bauer, who's effectively the paddock policeman to check all the stuff in the grid. Um, Badowski mm-hmm. had the more technical insight, whereas Joe Bauer just turned up and said, yep, the tape measure's right, yep, good. Yep, that wheel's attached, that sort of stuff. That was Joe Bauer's job. So we've got, so we've now got Mike, Mike K at Aston, Aston Martin, Martin. On, on, on under Lawrence Stroll's uh, checkbook. Massive. Yeah, under his master plan to, to dominate the sport. We have um Otmar rumored to be at Alpine. I'll be I'll be honest, I like Otmar. Otmar's been the guy that even when you look back um when um when uh, uh when Aston Martin were um uh oh my god, Force India. I yep. think of the name. Force India and you had um what well, go on, bit of trivia. What I, I what was his name? What was the, the old team boss name of the owner of Force India, the guy that oh, ended the up in court. He lost all the air. He had an air, an airline, and he was like, he owed all this money. And oh Jesus, can't think of it. That's that's gonna bug me. I'll do a bit of a fill here now while you Google that. But uh, um, he he basically um, he basically kept that team together, Otmar. So when when the the shit was hitting the fan and. Uh, Mali, something Mali, no, Amali, VJ Malia, 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 Malia. There we go, VJ Malia. So when VJ Malia, with all this controversy, was was around VJ about uh, all this money he owed and his airline was going going tits up and and all this kind of thing, and he was basically taking money out of all his other businesses to fund the race team. It was Otmar, in my opinion, that held the whole thing together. Yeah, like they kept racing. They were consistent. They were, they were top of the midfield. They had Perez. They had, um, didn't they have Kamui? Did they have Kamui Kobayashi? No, that Ocon at one stage. Ocon, yeah, I'm thinking of Sauber. Sorry, but like, Otmar for me is like one of the. I, I'd put him up there now with the likes of um, uh, 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 Andreas 
Seidel. I put him up there with the likes of because um, Seidel's been great um, for McLaren. I mean, he's turned that yeah. team around. Yeah, Stefano the, the Domenicali. I always thought he was a really good. I think he was probably one of the best for me. Anyway, my own opinion, Domenicali was one of the best Ferrari team principals that were to, in in recent years. He was consistent. He was tidy. He was he ran a good team. They showed development. They showed pace. Um, Alonso was there as well. I think when when um, uh, my friend Alonso um, when Domenicali was there. But Otmar, I'd put him in that kind of group of, of good. Like, he's kind of often missed, um, possibly even underrated as a team principal. I think I think he's absolutely brilliant. I think no matter where he goes, there's going to be results. I think Aston Martin are going to regret getting rid of him. Hey, Big T, I'm going to start to wrap the show up for our initial podcast. Uh, just quickly, okay. I want to make one comment. I had lunch with a mate the other day, Xavier, and he made a comment to me mm-hmm. across the table. Um, 2026, obviously, there's changing engine, engine rules. His thoughts are Porsche will be pairing the McLaren tubs and also the Audi will be pairing the Red Bull tubs from 2026. Mm-hmm. In 10 seconds, your thoughts? Uh, yes, no, maybe. I'd love, to see, I'd love to see Audi. I can't see Porsche coming in, to be honest. And if Audi do come in, I don't think it's going to be in any affiliation with McLaren. Just can't see that happening at all. McLaren is McLaren and Audi is Audi. They're two separate brands. So uh, I'd like to see Audi in the, in, the, in the sport, but not affiliated to McLaren. Okay. So Big T, I thank you for your input tonight, uh, or this morning for you, of course. Um, for the rest of the podcast, we, we will be inviting guests to the show, of course. Um, what I'll be doing is to uh, freshen the quill and ink and to write an invitation to some members to get them on the go to come and join us here in the studio. And, of course, if you haven't joined the group yet, just look up Facebook, f1armchairexperts.com. There's heaps of input. We have lots of challenges uh, using on a nightly basis to keep us interested and also the latest news discussion and our group chats uh, when we do them, um, just online discussions when there's live action on the circuit for when a race is going. So if you haven't joined yet, you're mad not to. Come and find us on Facebook, f1armchairexperts.com. I thank you for watching, and I'll see you for the next podcast. Bye-bye. See you guys. Bye-bye.